Hello and welcome to another episode of the Kanadi Experience Podcast. I am Troy, your host, and today I'm joined with Dez and Nate. You guys, how's it going today? We're it's going well. Going, doing well. <laughs> awesome. So today we're going to be covering a little bit about the conservation programs that are out there and that you can implement on your property. And Nate is here to help kind of clarify all these I guess you would say different programs and situations you can get into your property because I'll be honest, when I hear him talk about a lot of this stuff, it kind of goes over my head. Like That's most why I'm here. Yep. Yep. And this guy knows his stuff. So I would highly suggest listening up. But before we get too deep into that stuff, I just want to touch base one more time a little bit about what is Kanadi, Nate. Can you tell us a little bit? Yeah. So Kanadi Land Management is a company that's there to help landowners with what I would call a land management system. So we do everything from as we, we've got a wheel that we work around um, and we talk with landowners about um, several components of that wheel. And the first component is the real estate you know, piece. We're licensed real estate agents at Kanadi Land Management. Um, and we work with uh, landowners to either find land, sell land, buy land, split land, um, homes as well. Um, just basically help them find that conservation piece of land, whether it's a piece of ag land or, or a piece of hunting land or just a conservation piece of land or even a city lot that you want to turn into a conservation paradise. We're here to help with that. Uh, the next spoke on the wheel, so to speak, would be your conservation planning. In our last podcast, we covered that. Um, the importance of planning and education around what you're doing with your land, um, taking into account social, economic, and environmental considerations when you're when you're planning is pretty critical. Um, today we're going to be talking a little bit about conservation programs, as Troy talked about, um, which is the next item on the wheel. Uh, you know, landowners will figure out, you know, very shortly here during this podcast, where do I go? What do I do? Um, and and uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, then if you can't, once we get you in programs, if you don't have the equipment to do the work, we've got a full suite of things that we can offer in terms of the equipment um, and getting the job and getting the project on the ground. So Joe and his team at Kanadi can help build whatever it is that you want to do, um, whether it be a wetland or put in food plots or plant CRP or plant trees or restore part of your lawn grass into native habitat or your shoreline with, with uh, wildflower and native grass plugs. We're here to help. Um and then finally, the last piece on the wheel is really why we're here is that legacy piece. So to finish it all up, you know, that, that piece that once you're, once you're gone, um, it's the piece that, that you leave behind. Um, it's the times that you spent with your family and friends in the deer stand or in the tractor um, doing the things that we all love to do. And I think that's the piece that we always remember at the end of the day. Yeah, I think uh, like the one thing I'm learning quite a bit is whatever you think Kanadi does, <laughs> they do more. They definitely do more. They can do as much or as little as you need. Correct. And I think Troy talked a little bit about it in previous podcasts. You know, he said we do a lot of stuff. And I think you, you said at the beginning of this podcast, the clarity, the clarify. You know, we're here to provide clarity to your land use decisions. And that's, that's really what Kanadi's all about. It's not that, you know, a lot of times when I talk with landowners, you know, getting into uh, the planning side of things, when I talk to landowners, sometimes there's a glazed look. And I, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and I provide, and over the conversation, hopefully that glazed look goes away so they start understanding, you know, where things are at. Um, and in our last podcast, we talked about the importance of planning when it comes to that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yes. 
So getting into some of these programs, I'd kind of like to start. We were talking earlier about um, the watershed program that you guys, you've been working a little bit with something with that. Can, can explain that one to me again? You know, there's a program specific to Minnesota called the One Watershed, One Plan. And, and uh, in a previous life, I was very connected in, in Minnesota working with this program and helping deliver conservation, not only in, my, um, in the area that I worked, but also across the state. And fortunately, Minnesota is blessed with additional conservation funds from a legacy amendment in 2008. Um, with that being said, the, every watershed or almost every watershed in the state of Minnesota has a plan of action. You know, and, and we're, today we're talking about programs, but this is, this is a perfect example of why you plan. So these watersheds are a, are a group of organization, organizations and government entities, including commissioners, watershed district board members, uh, local soil and water conservation districts. And this is an example of a lot of dedicated funds for conservation projects that you're going to do anyway, that we want on the landscape. They improve water quality. They retain water quantity, you know, basically recharging groundwaters and aquifers and things like that for irrigation and drinking water in general. Um, so it's all focused around water quality. And those dedicated funds are all in a plan. So these organizations like these watershed districts and others are all following these plans across the state of Minnesota. And by, by working with Kanadi as a landowner, you don't really know what's out there. As you talked about, Troy, I mean, the importance of having Kanadi understand the plans and what's available, um, it's really critical to put those projects on the ground, whether it be cover crops um, for an egg producer, or if you're a conservationist or hunter and you have want to improve your soil health, at the end of the day, you have a big food plot, you mm -hmm. know, and it's only helping improve water quality and improve the resources in the state of Minnesota. And we, we do work across the Midwest. We're starting to get into more of the planning efforts and, and program efforts in the five-state area around, around the state of Minnesota, including North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, and Wisconsin. So, I mean, we're really starting to make headway across the Midwest and it's, it's pretty fun actually getting to see other parts of the of the of the five state area. So Yo, I bet. I think that a big part of land ownership that people don't think about or when they're when we're talking about these conservation plans and things is that a lot of landowners don't even know a lot of the plans or the programs that are out there that you know of or at all these acronyms that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. A lot of landowners don't know they exist and they don't know they don't understand that they could be applied to their land but in order to do that a plan would need to be in place and Kanadi is a place where they can understand what could potentially be available to their land and also you guys would do some of the very long paperwork and confusing paperwork that government programs like this have. Correct. So, I mean, part of the, I, th I think that it's, there's a pain point in this and the pain point is, you know, is the paperwork, you know, you're always like, Oh, I got to fill out 17 forms. And then, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is having us understand what, what that takes for you. I mean, Kanadi can do everything from actually doing the paperwork and getting your signatures um, at the end of the day, so that you basically taking that conservation plan that we talked about in our pad last podcast and putting that down on the ground is really what, what it really means. And then those pain points, as we talked about, navigating, let's call it navigating the, um, the government system 
Um, what does that look like? And then focusing your efforts on what you really want to do. I think one of the things within planning too, the another pain point that I might might bring up is the fact that maybe a program doesn't exist. You know, maybe there is a program out there, or that excuse me, there isn't a program out there that meets your goals. Kanadi has been helping, and we'll talk about that later. And I think in this podcast is is that we're working on developing programs. Is there if there isn't one? You know, if we've got a lot of interests that improve water quality. Um, and help resources out in the state of Minnesota, natural resources, whether it be ag land or, or city lots, city property, or conservation land, we can help build that program for you, you know, with the resources and the connections we have at Kanadi. But great point on the pain points. I mean, we can walk you through the process to help you understand what's out there. And if there isn't something, we can at least plant the seed um, to see where that could go. Right. Now, what about stuff like with... Uh cost shares i know we were talking a little bit about cost shares before what what what, what can you guys do like what, what is a cost share yeah yeah good point so that with conservation programs there's a number of different options for landowners and this is where we navigate that that windy road of government programs and you know when you talk about a lot of questions i get you know often are is there money for that well when you say is there money there might be in the form of what's called cost share you know, and it's simply put, that's exactly what it is. You're sharing the cost of something, of an activity. And it could be, you know, timber stand improvement. It could be cover crops. There might be cost share on that, you know, or shoreline projects. If you want to naturalize your shoreline, there could be cost share, which, you know, 50% might be you would have to contribute and the other 50% might be covered by a grant or another funding source of some type. But it's an activity in which you're going to do anyway that provides you some sort of an incentive. And in Minnesota, they've got programs like the Minnesota DNR has a tree program that will help offset costs in terms of trees. It will pay a certain percentage up to a certain amount. It's not like, yeah, the tree's $27 and they'll pay 50% of that. It's up to a certain amount. So I think you know, planting the trees, putting weed barriers on, putting tubes on, those are all cost share types of activities. Are cost share programs state or federal or both? Or? Yep. Great question. So right now, you know, here's where we start throwing out the acronym soup. You know, I remember yeah. in the Campbell soup, you had the little alphabet soup <laughs> where it's the A, the B, the, that's really what we're getting into. So EQIP is E-Q-U-I-P. Um, NRCS, Natural Resources Conservation Service. One W1P is one watershed, one plan. My point is cost share can be both federal, state, and local okay. um, in nature. So it just depends, again, navigating those. So that's a lot of yeah. different systems to actually have to navigate yeah, did as, you, as a landowner. Yeah. Did you know the local lake association could provide funding for that? No, I had no idea who to even call. So that's where Kanadi comes into play. Um, you know, I'm working with the landowner not too far away from here just because I love working around home is that we were able to potentially find them some funds from a local Ducks Unlimited chapter to help fund the cost of a pond construction. You know, I had the plan design, did the work, have found cost share from multiple sources. And they call that in the cost share world leverage. And when you can leverage federal, state, and local dollars with each other, that's when you really can start making hay. Because when you walk going to Washington as somebody who spent time in several of the offices of the legislators before, when you can start talking about, hey, we brought in this many state dollars or the private donors donated this much. So for every dollar they give, you find one. Well, that sounds like a good deal to me. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what that's really what leverage is at the end of the day. So I know like for farmers and stuff, for 
there's different grants they can get and most farmers know about them but like i ju- i'm just curious what's the most like far-fetched uh grant or program you've ever come across where you're like they really have this this is crazy you know the one that i talked about i think in a previous podcast which i think there's a big push right now you know we talk about pollinator dollars and organic dollars and then young farmer dollars but i think the the urban agriculture piece is interesting i've kind of been following that what i mean by that is that there there's cost share programs that help cover costs for hoop houses or or they call them seasonal high tunnels which help people grow their own food and in minnesota here in north central part of the country um, our weather is not great in the winter, but it extends your growing season. It's something that you can heat, and it can provide food for your family or another income source. I've read that on the USDA. Wow. Yeah, so it's really, I'm, I've been following that urban agriculture piece because Kanadi has some interest in helping with that, along with uh, getting the word out there. So there's an education piece around how and where food comes from um, that is part of, the land management process that I have some interest in just, just for nothing other than, Hey, getting the word out there and teaching people that, you know what, working and living in a rural area of, of the state and in the country isn't always easy. And here's why it's not easy. And then vice versa. So it's learning, learning about those other processes and those other challenges that people have out there. And I think that's a, that's an interesting segment. So as far as far fetched, um, we'll talk about some innovative programs at the end of this podcast or near the end of this podcast, which you'd be interested in hearing about those are probably more of the far-fetched fun innovative types of things that uh, we don't follow standards so those are the most enjoyable now what about stuff with like easements and stuff um what all are you guys dealing with different stuff in that area yeah so an easement is really a, a, a restriction on your property is really what an easement means and most people are like well i don't want an easement and he and most people think well an easement is to how to get to my property like a lot of times you have an easement to get there. There's a road. There's something to get to your property. Well, a lot of times a conservation easement, whether it be agriculture or whether it be habitat related, is usually a blanket easement over the entire property or a portion or the portion of that, what I would consider a protected property. Some programs will pay you, like there's a program out there right now called the Conservation Reserve Enhancement Program. And it's, of course, is an acronym, CREP. <laughs> Um, and what that means is it basically means it's a perpetual easement, which means perpetual means forever, that it has to be in that current state forever. You know, and, it, and working with landowners, identifying those areas that aren't good agriculture lands that they can set aside um, the, would, is, a, is a good thing because then they take their productive farmland and put it in, you know, cover crops and improving soil health. I mean, this program is, is geared more towards habitat but it's a long-term protection property or program, I should say, um, and an easement. So an easement essentially is a restriction on your property. So and it, there's a number of state, local, and federal programs that, that offer this type of thing, but it may not meet your goals. That's, again, where you go back to Kanadi. You know, we offer a free consultation on our website. Um, if you go to www.kanadiland.com, there's a free consultation button. I would urge you that's where you should fill out the information saying, hey, I'd like you to contact me. Here's where my land is. What would be best? So I think having us get back to you and saying, hey, maybe a conservation easement is for you or maybe it's not for you. So a conservation easement is a little bit more long-term. It's a little bit more legacy-oriented in nature. What I found interesting when I did that little ride-along with you and we went to a client's house is that in your plans – like at the end, you put all the options 
of where their land is at now and the optional programs and you list them and you hand that to them and you say, you know, if you want to get back to us about that program, great. If you, if this isn't what you want to do. So if maybe today it doesn't fit their goals, but five years down the line, changing plans, maybe they didn't use the land the way they wanted. They have that and right. can come back and say, Hey, yeah, I'm, is this still available? Is this, which is really cool. Yeah. We give them the options at the end of the day so they can either think about it and get back to us. Um, you know, the one thing that's, you know, that it all goes back to a plan. So when I get a free consultation, I'm like, yep, it all goes back to a plan in terms of, of getting that stuff done. Something like this. And along these lines, Kanadi can do all that work for you. We can line everybody up saying, I'm ready to do this. And then Kanadi can step in and, and do that facilitation, let's call it, yeah. of the program dollars. And then also gather signatures, meet with whoever we need to. That way you're not taking time out of your day to do it. Because we've developed, we've already developed a plan from our last podcast to where we are today. And it fits in that plan. It fits in those goals and you are aware of it and you know exactly what's going on. Kanadi, you can just take care of it. Or you, like I said, we give you the resources to call on your own. That piece is huge because that financial or income section is really big for landowners because they can look at how do I recoup a cost on that? In terms of conservation easements, the one thing I did want to mention too is that I've been working with several landowners this year who have done what's called a 1031 land exchange. And what that is, is in the real estate world, you're basically taking any proceeds you've received from a sale of a property and you're rolling it into a new property tax deferred. And you have to work with a professional on this. There's land holding companies out there, title companies and, and attorneys out there that specialize in 1031 land, land deals. And basically, at the end of the day, what happens is if you do enroll in a conservation easement that meets your goals, you may be receiving a substantial income. That substantial income is either taxed a lot of times by your state, or it can be rolled into a 1031 exchange, which then it's you're basically purchasing like property. So as I'm working with real estate clients and as I'm working with folks from Kanadi that are interested in programs, you can 1031 exchange those proceeds and defer the taxes. You're going to kick the can down the road until it stops sometime and you're going to get hit with taxes. But you can basically take a big lump sum, whatever that happens to be, and put a down payment on another piece of property. Now, instead of 80, I have 160. So I have a lot more interest in that from landowners recently that that's a huge advantage. So, I mean, fill out that free consultation form on the website and contact us because we can at least get you moving in the right direction. Absolutely. That's really cool. Uh, what about, uh, can you explain a little bit to me about like term programs? Yeah, so the term program, so now we've talked about so far, we've talked about cost share. Mm -hmm. Okay, then we've talked about more of the permanent protection pieces, you know, which are more legacy oriented as I talked about, such as easements. You know, that locks the land up for a while, but there's also a program that we're toying around with and we've played around with um, it's not new to us, obviously, but we're getting involved in some of those innovative things. But there is a program that's been around for since 1985, I want to say, and it's called the Conservation Reserve Program. And the Conservation Reserve Program, the acronym is CRP. Which you may have heard of that. So, yeah. I feel like a lot of people yeah, have heard most of CRP. People, yeah. Most people have heard of CRP, and they always say, well, I got CRP grasses on there. No, they're native and wildflower grasses that happen to be enrolled in a program called CRP. So it's just, it, it's a common um, 
term that people, an acronym that people do actually understand within the off, within the USDA framework. Um, that program is delivered through what's called the Farm Service Agency. And every county in the country, or almost every county, has a local government office, a USDA government office, that can and, and may administer, and I say may because it may not be an option or whatever priority, uh, CRP. And that's a term, a term program is basically just that. It's a term. It's 10 and 15 year. And I, I know that they've been, they've talked about, and I think there's a 30 year program out there, but it's not permanent. It's not perpetual in nature. So if I'm, I'm a landowner and I say, I don't want to lock it up forever because I, because I don't know what my kids want to do, but I'm okay with locking it up for 15 years and receiving a payment. Um, a lot of this, a lot of people that are interested in term programs are more of the hunters and conservationists, but I would argue that agricultural producers in your low producing soils um, and in areas should think about enrolling in CRP. For example, I just finished a, a conservation plan for somebody on Friday. Um, and what it was, was then I suggested to them to take their grass waterways, which are concentrated flow areas of water across their farm. So instead of washing a gully, I said, why don't you put those four grass waterways in CRP and then get a payment for those instead of just do the, what we talked about before, just getting cost here to put the grass waterway in. Now you're getting cost here to put the grass waterway in and you're getting a payment an annual payment for 15 years for that grass waterway. And not only that, you guys, within CRP, when we help work with landowners, there's tree programs and tree lines and and windbreaks, shelter belts, which you're then putting wildlife corridors in or travel corridors that will pay for cost sharing of the trees. So it kind of meets both those goals. It meets both the goals. So we do a lot of work where we'll do like a tree or wind or shelter break belt break and i guess we'll we'll funnel the animals from one spot of cover to another so we'll do it very strategic in nature and then they'll actually be cost share for the program to put the trees in and or tubes if you needed that and you'll get an annual payment on those acres as well for a period of 10 to 15 years however long you enroll in it and you usually that cost is about 50 percent crp so that's really the benefit of the plan you do your you do your plan and then you look at the programs too and yep. you can mix both. Yep. And I talked about Bill during the last podcast as far as going out, Bill, where do you want the trees? Well, I'm not sure where I want the trees yet. But again, that's where that plan comes into play. Now that we're talking about conservation programs, we can identify which of those programs fits your plan. And that's where this comes into play. Hey, maybe a term isn't for you. Maybe an easement's better. Or maybe an easement isn't good, but you know, you're, you're close to development. Maybe the you know, you've got other land uses that your children or grandchildren may consider. So you don't want to block it up permanently. So those are all decisions that you can make, but use Kanadi as your, as your guide, as your springboard for that. Yeah. See the wealth of knowledge you have never ceases to amaze me. Like how would a guy like me ever think of anything coming close to doing that stuff with all the different native grasses and whatnot, the CRP planting this instead of that? There's no way I wouldn't know that stuff. You know, somebody asked me last week, Troy, they said, you know, um, tell me how your seed is different. You know, like, how is your seed different? I said, our seed isn't really that different. And I'm going to be honest, it is not. But I said, it's taking those things that you understand of why and what you're putting there rather than the actual, well, this stuff doesn't grow. I said, well, what did you do for site prep? Well, I just threw it on the ground. I said, well, that's why it didn't grow. 
you know, it wasn't our seat, it was somebody else's, but I was having a conversation with them. I said, it's not necessarily, but I said, it's about putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And if you go mm-hmm. to the website, you'll take a look at that wheel that we have on our, on our website. There's little puzzle pieces that fit together. And that's really what we're talking about here is that system that fits together completely. And conservation programs is part of it. I had no idea that you could cost your trees at 50%. Well, yeah, I called the guys at Kanadi and they said, here's what I would do X, Y, and Z. You know, and again, it starts with a plan and we're here to help with the program, identify the programs and fulfill those programs. And then we've got Joe, um, which we'll talk about him here in a little bit, you know, to help with the next step. Yeah. Speaking of the next step, that's going to be like you guys in innovation, right? What, what exactly are you talking about there with the innovation? You have a ton of experience on both, on both sides really. And doing that, this program work really kind of gives you an interesting perspective on what works, why it works, what could work. Yeah. Remember, I'm a people person. (laughs) So everybody's like, what are you doing? Like my high school ag teacher who happened to be a board member for our soil and water conservation district said, all you took was home ec classes. I'll let the listeners out there today figure out why I took home ec classes in high school, (laughs) but I'll leave that to your imagination. But my, my point is, is he said, I can't believe you're in this industry. Like, how do you have this knowledge? And I am, again, I will be the first to tell you that I am not an expert but I'm not afraid to talk to people or think outside the box. So when it comes to innovative programs, one of the most enjoyable parts of my job is getting a call from a partner from somewhere saying, hey, what do you think about this? Des knows that I'm all over the board sometimes, and that's what makes Nate who Nate is. It is. It is. (laughs) It is. It makes me who I am. It's because of uh, those 100 ideas, one of them or two might be good, you know, and again, I'm trying to narrow, narrow that focus down to help you guys, the listeners as landowners, figure out what's best for your property. But these innovative programs that I'm talking about, one we're working on right now is called the Whole Farm Easement. And I, this was in 2016. I walked into my supervisor's office. It was in a previous job. And I said, shut the door. And I said, you know what we need? We need a Whole Farm Easement. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, we need an easement that protects property in perpetuity forever that helps grow and produced food. And he's like, well, tell me more. I said, well, right now we're working on a whole farm easement. It's finally coming 2023. So seven years later, we're finally working on some planning for whole farm easements. And that basically protects the land so that it can never, essentially it can never be built on, but it continue to be an ag production. But now we help with management plans such as putting cover crops on tillable, tillable land where it makes sense adding alfalfa into the rotation, um, planting grass waterways in areas of concentrated water flow instead of water just going across the, the bare landscape, putting buffers in. Well, along with that, what about a habitat easement on the little corner of the property that's in woods? You know, those are all things that we're doing because I've never, I told them during that meeting in 2016, I'd never met a landowner that said, you know, after I'm done farming this land, I'd like it to be 700 houses. Yeah, me neither. You know, have you guys ever met anybody? <laughs> yeah. like, that's no. where I came up with the idea. I'm like, no. I, all I was doing is I was thinking about, you know, I've never met anybody that has that goal. And if you're a, if you're a farmer and you, you love, you know, there's nothing better than sitting, you know, beside your dad or your mom in the tractor yeah. 
and driving like those are memories that you're going to have forever and now you can continue that and, and you, you know it and you know it as as someone who's leaving their legacy on the landscape you're leaving that farming generation to the next gen i'm um, farming to the next generation to sit beside their kids in the tractor you know, by that time, we'll have everything that steers. And remember the Jetsons when we could talk to each other oh, on the screen? Yeah. Yep. We're already doing that. My point is, is that it's just, it's very generational and very innovative when it comes to developing something like this. And we're on the cutting edge of programs like this. And maybe, maybe if the program doesn't exist, maybe it's you as the landowner and I start brainstorming and we come up with a plan that we pitch to somebody, a partner that may make sense. Hey, have you thought right. about this? Because you know? these government programs have goals too. And they want to meet those goals. They want to do, you know, have the end result that they're looking for. They just have to figure out how to do it. Yeah. And at Kanadi, we're getting, we're getting, we're talking to a lot of partners that are out there that are interested in what we're doing because we're excited about what we do. We care about our landowners um, and we're interested in the resources. I think when you marry all those things together, then you have some success because we actually care about what we do. We care about our customers and we care about the end goal. And you're in a unique position where you have perspective of both the government programs goals and landowner goals. Correct. What we, what you need to do to breach both. Yeah. And exactly. We do. We have that unique perspective. We've got a wealth of knowledge and a lot of years of experience to help that city resident restore some of their lawn grass into native habitat, you know, or that lakeshore owner that says, you know what, I don't mind, I love my lake view, but I'd be nice if I didn't have to send my child down there and weed trim the entire slope of the shoreline. Well, that's where we come in, you know, Hey, have you thought about this? And then we're the voice out there for government organizations. If you need somebody to be your sales rep, you know, a, a lot of people are calling me asking, hey, could you be our sales rep for conservation? We're turning around and sending people right back in. So they're not having to go out and do some of that outreach because you, we'll help you develop the programs and then we'll help you get people in the door. So that's really what we're here to do. And that's our area of expertise. Yeah, no, what you guys are doing is fantastic. And like I said, I sound like a broken record, but every time we talked, it's just the wealth of knowledge you got, it just impresses the hell out of me. It's crazy. And it's really cool the way that you guys look at individual properties. And the way it's hard, a lot of people I get, I talk to a lot of people and even like around this and talking about Kanadi and they're like, well, what, well, what kind of programs could my land have? And I'm like, it's really, it's really an individual thing because all different pieces of it's all different are different yeah that's where we come into play that's that's why you need to go to the website and fill that free consultation uh form out and then it comes directly to kanadi and then we'll give you a call as once we get a chance to look through that where's the land what county is it in what state is it in uh, what programs are available um yeah so that's that's where we come into play well, Nate, I know you're pretty busy and you got a lot to do yet today. Um, can you kind of touch base, just let people know where to contact you? What, where can they go? Yep. Again, go to KanadiLand.com. There's a button on there for a free consultation. Just go on there um, and fill that form out. Um, name, address, phone number. I think there's information on there to leave your email address as well. Um, and then just some general information about some of the goals that you're looking for. Um, you know, we've got a ton of resources on there where we have a wealth of knowledge and expertise in some areas. And again, 
you know, we're not afraid to try, as you've heard today, some innovative programs that may meet, may meet your goals um, from that from that conservation plan that you have developed. So, And then on that wheel you keep talking about that's on the webpage, um, what's going to be next on the wheel? And are you going to be part of the next podcast? Are you... You know, I like, I really love driving the tractor and I like, like, I love seating, like going, I feel like a farmer. I wear my cowboy boots and I'm, I know what I'm doing. You know, like I, when I get on that tractor, I know what I'm doing. And if Joe, you're listening today, I could really use a, a cab so I'm not getting so dusty on the tractor. But um, <laughs> Joe, Joe and his crew will be um, probably participating in the next one because they're a wealth of knowledge um, when it comes to actually getting something on the ground. Yeah. I mean, I'm just impressed by his team, you know, every day and how they c- can get things accomplished and, and how we're working together as a as one cohesive unit. So you might not be hearing from me on the next one, but uh, I'm sure this won't be the last you'll see or hear of Nate. Perfect. We like it that way. Way, well, hey, I want to say thanks for hanging out today, guys. Thanks for the info. I hope the podcast was informational, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.